welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're continuing our During the Strike coverage where we're looking at things other than just Star Wars on screen. And today we're talking about one of the favorite concepts within fandom, the Glup Shido. Yes, it's the, we're talking about everyone's favorite characters, the ones that aren't, you know, the the big credits, that aren't necessarily the protagonists or antagonists of an episode, but they just show up every now and then, and they make some certain people super happy. What is a glup shido? What does it mean? Who are they? How do you define it? All that stuff we're going to talk about with glup shido expert extraordinaires, Riki and Sarah Hayashi. All that and more after a commercial break. Wait, no. <laughs> uh, I was going to say all that more after course break, but as you probably noticed, we've changed where the commercials are happening. Now they're happening at the beginning and the end of the episode. So we're just going to dive right into the episode. So, um, Riki, well, first of all, I should say, Sarah, uh, so glad to have you back. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I've, uh, I've had a chaotic summer. Um, but good thing grad school is starting up again in a week. That'll make everything chill and, and easy again, right? Right? Huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> no, I hear that. And, you know, I know that right now we're kind of looking at different ways to do content. I hope we're going to keep giving you episodes week to week. I mean, more than anything, I hope the strike ends because there is some new content coming out that I would love to be able to cover. I'm going to continue to not do any coverage of things until the strike ends. But um, we're going to just, you know, keep finding things to talk about each week. And so, you know, we'll see. It'll often be Riki or Sarah. There's some other great people we're going to be talking to. Uh, just last week, you probably all heard an episode with uh, Friendly Neighborhood Master Alan, who creates lightsabers and talking about lightsabers. So we've got a lot of great topics to talk about. We also do have some listener feedback, some stuff that I've been holding for when Sarah and Riki are back. And we'll do that at the end of this episode uh, before the Patreon content, though. But let's just kind of dive right in. And let me start by asking Riki, because you're the one who brought this up. What is a glup shit up? Okay, hang on. Yeah. He's got notes. Well, you no, I, I pulled up the quote. I pulled up the quote. So, the origins of Glup Shido, there was a Tumblr post on September 3rd, 2020. So, this concept is only almost three years old. Um, mm. And this was, this was by a user on Tumblr named Gom Jabbar, which itself is a, is a reference to Dune. Mm-hmm. And Gom Jabbar wrote, quote, Every time a new Star Wars movie or show is announced, all the fans are like, OMG, Glup Shido is back. And that's it. Well, followed by a series of crying emojis. <laughs> right. And that's, that's, that's the origin. And it just kind of like hit in the right moment in fandom and caught on and has become truly a phenomenon that goes beyond star wars i've discovered really like it 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 has gone into the public conscience of a lot of geekdom um star wars fans of course i think embrace glove shadow fully for its ridiculousness <laughs> but yeah it's it's just this concept of like kind of people love obscure characters i think is how i yeah. would sum it up yeah yeah the like yeah, the think- background character whose like name you know from the toy that was released in like a set of toys or something mm-hmm. like that, or like the weird magazine article you read about them, uh, and they're back in the like the, the latest TV show. I think or, Marvel has a bunch of. Or them you too. watch a terrible holiday special on TV, <laughs> sure. and they have a real cool looking bounty hunter in it. <laughs> yes, I don't <laughs> think Boba Fett counts as a glup shit. But look at the origin. I, but is, sure, I, the origin. Sure, arguably, I mean, that, that, he's the original. 
that that is a topic we'll discuss is what happens when a glup shido becomes super popular mm. do they stay a glup shido so we'll definitely discuss that let's just stick on this definition though because it's it's a really interesting concept this idea of like you know the background character who just people totally fall in love with they really want to see more of as you said it's that moment uh, not only of like that we saw them once but then when you see them again in something like that you know and and they, you get so excited oh my god will this character come back will this character be on screen why do you think it is that this is that, that it did take off specifically in Star Wars <laughs> cuz Star Wars has a ridiculous number of characters with names and my my theory on this is that George Lucas was m- trying to toyify Star Wars, right? Like the the whole action figure line. So he just like said, "Yeah, this character in the background, name, name, name," and like gave everyone a name so that if he needed to sell an action figure, like they they were ready to go. Yeah. Important note cool. for those who don't know this: uh, part of George Lucas's deal when he signed with the company that that produced the, the original Star Wars movies is he said. I want all the profits from the market from the toys, and people thought he was nuts because no oh, one yeah. really thought about that. And that's brilliant. Those toys probably paid for like seventy percent of Lucas Films by the mm-hmm. end of the day. If if you take nothing else from this, like the brilliance of him as a business person in that moment yeah. to like make that decision and have faith in his own property to do that, yeah. I think is, is important. And yeah, like all everything, like. I remember when I was a kid, Return of the Jedi like had the most of these because you have Java's Palace, and mm. every character in the background of Java's Palace had an action figure. Mm. Yep, and all of them had like a little paragraph biography of yeah on the back, you know, and it said like you know, you know Max Rebo, the the keyboardist, <sighs> and you know the yes. star, he's the you know inventor of the style of music that we're not going to mention on here. Um, <laughs> You know, like, they all had that. I remembered I had the Greedo one, which someone else mentioned was their glup shit out, and I just loved it. Or, like, the... That's great. Um, I think a, a great example of, the, of this coming back, the IG-94 uh, droid. I think I'm probably getting IG-88? IG-88. Yeah, it's just a droid that just stands there. It doesn't even have a line in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, sure. Back, but the, all those bounty hunters. It, oh, and yeah. then it shows up again as a major character in, in Mandalorian, and people mm-hmm. went nuts. Well, and like Bosk too, right? Like we get Bosk in Clone Wars a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Dan. <laughs> You're, so, yeah. Bosk, Dengar, uh, IG-88, and Forlom. And oh, I know yeah. I know these because I, I'm a Star Wars fan, but there's like a great Boba Fett uh, comic book series yeah. where a lot of them are featured antagonists. And that's something I wanted to bring up is I think one of the reasons why I, I think you're very right that Star Wars is so perfect for because there's every character has a name. But also I think it's because, and especially like for now, this was true in the, the Legends canon as well, but especially I think more recently, Legends often would invent all these new characters and they were fun too. But a lot of the Disney stuff has been, let's take these people who are named and give you all of their stories, you know, and and just take them in new directions. And I, and like with things like the comic books you're mentioning and, and all sorts of other stuff. Um, and again, a lot of that did happen in Legends as well. And I think that's also been the video games have done that a lot. The fact that we're getting TV shows that pay a lot more attention to the much smaller characters. You know, all of a sudden we care about like all these different clones and all these different droids and stuff like that. I think that's also really helped it along. 
Yeah, and I think, like, the the sort of, like, the novelizations and all that, like, novelizations, mm-hmm. comic books, right, having more characters. Um, and I think there's there's part of it, too, where, like, recognizing a Glub Shido gives mm-hmm. you, like, a special kind of, like, fandom feeling. Like, you're a big enough fan yeah. to know the names of all the bounty hunters kind of thing, right? You're a big enough right. fan Why, to thank recognize. You. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> to, like, to recognize this character from one of the novels who's appearing. And I think another reason why Star Wars is kind of perfect for it is because, like, the background characters aren't just, like, random humans most of the time. They're really, yeah. like, interesting character designs. Even though, like, I'm pretty sure one of the dudes at like the cantina on Mos Eisley is just like a man a man in a like Halloween werewolf mask but even mm-hmm. then the fact that there's like werewolves are now canon in Star Wars I guess um every, everybody just like looks really interesting which I think helps um yeah with like wanting to recognize them and wanting to like know what their name is and what their little paragraph backstory is I think you're right and I I like what you say about that special feeling because I think it's a combination of things of a like it's kind of cool to know but also the idea is kind of that like to me it's sort of fighting against though the idea of everybody has to know all this information because mm-hmm. the point is if you know about your glup shit oh like who cares if you don't know anything about anyone else's because then you get to tell people about it then they get to tell you about it and it like any part of any fandom i'm sure there are glup shit oh conversations that get very exclusionary oh but yeah I think oh for the undoubtedly most, yeah <laughs> i I think a big part of why it took off was that it was very much not that. You know, it was mm. very much a, hey, it's okay if you don't know all the bounty hunters. If there's that one that you really love, if there's this one Ewok you really love, like, come and celebrate that. Yeah. and oh. I, I just have to interject. The Cantina werewolf character, of course, has a name. It is yep. Locke Sivrock. And he's, hold on, what is his species here? Uh, Shistavenin. Shistavenin from Univa Prime. There you go. There's all the things about the dude wearing a literal werewolf mask in the background (laughs) of the cantina scene. Uh, And I'm sure people were, like, screaming that at their, I don't know, radio? What do you listen to podcasts on these days? Phone? Um... Because they're like, they love Black Shivrak or something like that. I don't know. It's neat. It's wild. Yeah. One thing I think is great about it is that you know, I often think of, I often think of the movie Galaxy Quest, which we talked about on my superhero Ooh. ethics podcast, as one of the best kind of like love letters to fandom. Because one thing it's about is that fans will truly love show. When you truly love a show like that, part of it is that sometimes you really love the ridiculous parts of it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my favorite glup shadows that really gets honored out there, um, and you can probably help me out because I don't remember the exact details, but in the movie Empire Strikes Back. When people are fleeing from Bespin, there's a famous scene that you have to, like, stop motion it to see where someone is basically running through the halls of Bespin carrying, like, a pancake maker or something. Like, it's some, like, ridiculous <laughs> piece Oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I thought it was a toaster, but I just looked it up and it's not that. I can't remember the exact piece of machinery it is. But now, like, if you go to a Star Wars convention, there will be, like, the running of these guys where, like, 50 people of all genders, will run through the halls all carrying this thing, you know? What? And it's just, it's based It looks on... like a humidifier. That's right. Yeah, I, I think no it, may, it may well be that, like an air, like an, or an air heater or something like that. A humidifier actually probably is. And it's, you know, it's a moment of bad set design, of, like, prop usage that was like, it'll be on screen for half a second, they'll be watching in a dark theater, they won't get to watch it again for years, no one will notice. 
that now on the internet we can capture it. 4K, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's ridiculous, but we can love it. And they and the creators of new Star Wars stuff try to put things like that into their properties. I, I think okay. that item actually is shows up in one of the new shows somewhere, just in the background. Like it's part yeah, of a, a pile of junk. And it and it's yeah. a moment, it's there so that fans can do the Leonardo DiCaprio point at the TV and go, that's the thing. And I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of it is that, like I said, those people at the conventions, a lot of the glup shit of love isn't just, you know, people say they love it and talk about it. It's that people will cosplay as it. People will make fan art. People write fan fictions. <laughs> uh, many of the sort that we can't discuss any family-friendly podcast like this one. Um People will make like just all this crazy fan art uh, and and cosplays and all this stuff of these characters, and I think that's to me when I'm at cons like that, I just love going up to people and be like, okay, clearly you're Star Wars, but you know, ge ge generally, like, some people will be like, yeah, I'm just kind of a generic Tie Fighter pilot, but some will be like, no, no, no I'm TKS261 who appeared in this episode of this comic book and said this one cool line to Darth Vader, and I've always loved the character ever since. You know, that that is literally an interaction I had with a. Uh, someone at um, I think it was Gen Con last year. You know, there's just there's there's always stuff like this. That's awesome. Yeah, I I mean I I think my favorite Glup Shadow is R five D four, who's mm -hmm. the the red droid that Luke almost buys, and then R two D two maybe explodes with his mind. Who's to say? Um, and I have like a weird there's a ceramicist I follow. Um, his name's Herspink Ceramics. Um. And he makes Star Wars-inspired um, dinnerware. Nice. Really cool. So he came out with an R5-D4-inspired cup because R5-D4 is back again in um, The Mandalorian as Amy Sedaris. Like, he's on Amy Sedaris' droid operation. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So it was like, hey, this is, like, a really fun character. But he, he dyslexied it, which, like, uh, me, me too, um, and mm -hmm. called him, like, R R4-D5. Um, and so I like got in the comments. I um, was just like, "Oh my gosh, Get this in is the like, yeah. like this is my favorite droid too. Super duper love it." I th I think you flip flop the numbers, but like, so mm -hmm. glad to see this. Um, and he was like super chill about it, and like was like, "Thanks for catching that before I produced an entire line with typos on mm -hmm. it." Um, but then there were like so many replies to my comment that were just like, "Yeah, I was gonna say that too," and like, "Yeah, how could you not know the name of the droid?" Blah blah blah, and like. It was that was really disappointing to see, especially because yeah. like you're no longer saying it as like an honest like effort of uh, like an honest attempt to help someone. You're saying it as like right. the sort of gatekeepy part of the the Glub Shadow narrative, yeah. right? Like how how can you claim to love Star Wars? Name all the droids, kind of thing. And yeah. I think like that is an aspect of it too. Like so, there's there's like an exclusionary part of it mm -hmm. of like a yeah, I don't know. No, I hear what you're saying. I we touched on this before, but I want to kind of reemphasize it. To me, I think glupshitoness like is a real attempt to interject positivity back. Because mm -hmm. yes, the exclusionariness will come in always, and you will get those people. But I so much of the conversation I see about it is really with love, and you know, I, it's very hard to kind of say like socially and societally like why did something happen at a particular time. But Ricky, I hadn't realized till you said it that it was so recently, but 2020, I mean, that's the height of when everyone is still yelling at each other about Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and, you know, all of this. Like, I think there still is a lot of Star Wars negativity, obviously, out there. 
But as someone who spends like so much of my time in those fandoms, there's been a very concerted effort to sort of stop engaging with the the the, the haters and and you know talk about critiques, but but really try to find the positivity again. And I do think the Glepshito you know mo- movement, as we can call it that, mm-hmm. like you know idea, has been a big part of that. And I think I-, I would say a big part of why people were so happy about it was it was a way to have really happy conversations without it being oh my god but holdo shouldn't have done that about you know any of that nonsense it's yeah. also height of the pandemic yeah right? that's also and point. i think that plays into this as well where people maybe just like hadn't talked to other people in a long time mm-hmm. and the ability to connect over your love of star wars in this ridiculous way yeah. It was very meaningful. And, and to have that conversation of like, oh, yeah, like, I love this character. Like, I don't even know their name. Like, because, I mean, some some characters don't have names, I think. Maybe. Well, especially because we weren't connecting with every, anyone, but also a lot of us were watching things all the time. Yeah. So it was a chance to be like, okay, I've seen this movie 10 times. Let me pay attention. To this. Oh, wait, who's that guy in the background? And then post it online and someone else can say, oh, if you like that, check out Clone Wars Season 4, Episode 22. You'll see them again. You know, I... One thing I love is that there's apparently there's these databases out there where you can just type in a glup shido and it'll say like, okay, this person shows up in episode four of this comic book and chapter twenty two of this novel, you know, and you can just find like the glup shido connections. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I, like I believe that there's a comic book for R five D four where I, I don't know if it's canon or legends or even just like just fan made, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, the droid has access to the Force, and in that famous scene with R2-D2, like, self-sacrifices using the Force, knowing that R2 has the plans for the Death Star, because they, like, talked Mm -hmm. on the Sandcrawler, and it's like, you need to go with with Luke, so I'm just going to use the Force and blow myself up so that they pick you instead. So I don't know if there's actually two different versions of this out there, or if this is kind of just how it's gotten retold, but in the book, there's now a series of books called From a Certain Point of View, and then oh, maybe there's one of them for each movie, and the one for A New Hope has, I think, the story that you may be talking about, yeah. and it is canon, and yeah, and that one is not that he uses the Force, but that R2 says to him, like, look, I really need to get picked, is there anything you can do? And that kind of like R2 making noise as R5 is starting to roll away is R2 saying, please, like, the fate of all of us rests on this. And it's a heartbreaking little story because you've you've seen how long R2, sorry, R5 has been in that crawler with the Jawas, and he's so lonely and he's so sad, but he's still willing to kind of, like, he makes his compressor overheat so that R2 can get picked. And it's just, you nice. know, like, just a tiny little moment, and it's so beautiful. And then he, he's all good. He comes back. He's fine. Yeah. Like R R five, I want us to talk about some of our favorite club shittos, but I want to do one other big question first. And we kind of touched on it with the Boba Fett thing. Is well, let's kind of really dive deeper into what, how exactly is a club shitto defined? Like <laughs> how how obscure do they have to be? How well known do they have to be? And then the second question is, can someone stop being a club shitto? Gosh, so like, I don't. Yeah, I think that Boba Fett does not count anymore. He's got his own TV show. But in like well, 1980. Well, well so sure. let's do that first definition first. So what? Where's the line of how obscure you have to be? I would say like not listed in the credits. 
of the movie as like fuck, right? I I I disagree. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I think in the even in the original trilogy, I think Boba Fett is a glove shitto. Like he sure, has like yeah. four lines and like yep. kind of goes out like a chump. But this yes. this fandom developed around the character because it's like oh but he's supposed to be this amazing bounty hunter and then like some years down the line like i said that led to like a comic book series like lots of novels as well and and i think that's kind of the ethos of this is that this character who's like not not even close to a main character in the original Mm -hmm. trilogy is beloved by fans to the point where they they demand that we get more of the character right. and I, I i feel similarly about wedge wedge mm-hmm. has like less than 10 lines probably is named but uh you know has the whole x um the x-wing rogue squadron book novel mm-hmm. series in the video games for the same thing and right. so like those two are kind of my go-to examples of they started off in my opinion as glup shittos and okay. then fans love them so much that they have now become regular characters. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's so, what I was saying. Okay. Okay. So, so, to give another example then, as someone who is a fun character, appears a good deal, but is never a main character, is Hondo Anaka a Gleb Shido? I don't think so. I think he's too, like, prominent, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's... He has a prominent presence at Disneyland, which I know is like a weird bar that I keep going to. Um, uh-huh. He's also one of the main characters in the the Sims Four Star Wars game. Oh my! Um, yeah, as like the leader of the pirate, like That's not awesome. good, not evil group. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, like I think he's too, like he's just a side character, and I, yeah. I don't think that a, a side character is necessarily a glum shadow. A glum shadow is like background. His character. his first appearance in the Clone Wars. Was I believe him capturing like yeah. Obi Wan, Anakin, and Dooku, right? Mm-hmm. So, what would you think of this definition then? A glup shido, you can't be a glup shido if you if if you have an influence on the plot. Like if you if if your character could be replaced by anyone generic, yeah, then that that could be a glup shido. But if if like you you know like to which I think Wedge would 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 count. You know, Wedge is the cap person who's with. Uh, Luke for those fights, but like he doesn't do anything that's particularly significant. Um, whereas he said Hondo, Hondo's actions cause the plot to move forward. Max Rebo's don't. That one droid standing next to Boba Fett's don't. Is that would that be well? Because then maybe Boba Fett wouldn't count because he certainly takes actions that are. Excuse me, I but guess Wedge like just... Wedge fires a torpedo. Okay. Also, <laughs> like I think I think I get I get what they're going for, right? Like yeah, it's... yeah. If could you replace this character with a dude wearing a werewolf Halloween mask, <laughs> and would we notice? Yeah, um, yeah. I, and I think that that's that's a, a perfectly fine definition. I also don't think that like we need a hard and fast. No, de- like if it feels like a glup shido in your heart, right? It's, it can be your glup shido, right? Right. So, like so the, then, the- go ahead. I was gonna say like the werewolf character probably has had an action figure oh, back in the day, sure. right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. But there's no, I don't believe that there are people clamoring for this character to reappear in Star Wars, unfortunately. If you are, right in. Yeah, but like. But like Max Rebo, when Max Rebo showed up in Boba Fett, some people lost their minds. You lost your mind. 
I also lost my mind. <laughs> Especially because, like, what happens to him? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. He might uh, be dead. Also, <laughs> I remembered now. I'm going to Google it to make sure. Yeah, yeah. But, yes, I've Googled it and found out that I am correct. It was an ice cream maker that he was carrying <laughs> on Empire Strikes Back. Ah, nice. That's wild. That's awesome. Uh, and his character is known as Milro Hood. All right. What the heck? Yeah. It's oh, not no, even I've seen like that, that, that stormtrooper that yeah. bonks his head, right? Like, he's got a full-on name. That's awesome. Yep. And I like that definition, though, because I think, I, first of all, I think you're right. that Once we start setting hard and fast rules for Glupshittos, then we kind of defeated the purpose. I, I think, though, that part of that idea is just if it's someone who isn't well-known, you know? And, uh, like, I think one of the other things that I think is interesting is that, uh, and in talking to people and looking through this, a lot of the Glupshittos I saw were people who either aren't originally from, either have never appeared on screen or mm. didn't start on screen. You know, people who come from, I think, the parts of the fandom that are a lot less seen. Uh, the books, the novels, the comic books. Um, a lot of these things actually got spelled out in the early uh, role-playing books. Uh, I don't know if you guys mm. remember this, but there was a role-playing game that I played in the early 90s when I was in high school. And that had like a lot of the, you know, all these characters got their own page and their stats and all this kind of stuff. I think yeah, it's still um, being published. West End sure. Games. Yeah, I think there's been like four different versions of it by now, but yeah, it's probably something like that. So, yeah, to me, that's another like good place for Glubshudos to come from. Totally, yeah, so, and that's another thing where you have to like name them and give them stats too, right? Which helps yep. flesh out this otherwise background character. Yeah. Yeah. So then that that's the last part of it is can somebody stop being a Glubshudo? Like, is Boba Fett? If, if Boba was ever a Glupshido, is he still? Oh, I, I agree with the premise that he once was a Glupshido, but then I think he became too beloved and transcended his Glup, mm-hmm. Glupshido status into just straight up main character. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, arguably, if they bring a character back, like at that point, they're just, they transcend that, right? But I mean, like, you can bring a character back as like a fun nod in the background, right? Like the two, yeah. the two cantina dudes who show up in Rogue One. Oh yeah, right, Doctor. Like a, yeah. What's his face? Buns okay. Honeydew and Beaker. What? Like, no. Like, like I would say, Wedge is still on the edge. In that, no <laughs> pun intended. Uh, Wedge <laughs> did just show up for like half a second at the end of Rise of Skywalker, but then he's also become a major character in many of the novels. And he's uh, in um, Rebels too, right? Yeah, he has a couple appearances in Rebels. Young, hmm. so yeah, like he's he's kind of on that young edge. It it's funny because. I don't think this comparison has actually happened, but it's in the back of my head. The whole time we're talking about this, what I'm reminded of is every time a band becomes really popular, you get those people who come out of the woodwork who are like, oh, yeah, yeah I own their first <laughs> album. Like, I knew them back in the day. I saw and them I don't in a want, bar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, and I don't want that to be like, oh, yeah, that character. Well, I was a Glove Shido fan of them back in the day. So far, though, I haven't really seen that. You know, like, I think it's been, as I said, it. it like any part of fandom, it's going to get the shitty. Hmm, even I'm doing this now. It's going to get the not great people. Yeah. But I, I think for the most part, like club shooter conversations, it, it, it just seems to be. If you're there to bring negativity, it's not the conversation you go into. That's totally fair, and I guess like I do have like I don't engage as much on, like I, I'm on Instagram full stop, right? Like that's kind of yep. where I where I social media. So I'm not on like Tumblr or like TikTok or anything like that, engaging in these conversations. But I like, and I also have this like fear of just like being female presenting and correcting people about Star Wars is like not. That's fair. Not a thing that's usually goes well, but you know, yeah. um, 
I yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to hear that most of these conversations are are less like, oh, I know this much more and more like, oh, yeah. you don't know this. Come, let me let me share it with you. And I think it's a good thing for all of us to work on, you know, like when listening to you, listening to other fans, Danielle written Star Wars. One thing I've started really making a point of doing is looking for when uh, people who seem to be female presenting in comments or TikTok to like speak up and start to get attacked and seeing where can I jump in. But the other thing is, and I think this is just as important, is just I and Ricky, and you and I talking about this has also helped me with this, trying not to, like, when the people do bring the negativity, just ignoring them. Like, mm-hmm. has just really done a lot to, like, yeah, sometimes you'll see that comment. And just the more people just skip past, like, to me, the comment sections that I've learned to fear is where someone makes a point and, like, eight people say positive things and maybe they get one response. And there's one person who's like, oh, but what about Holdo, blah, blah, blah. And it's got 100 responses. And it's just like. We could do better than this. Yeah, and like even if those responses are like "you're wrong," that's mean thing to say. Like it's still engaging and like pushing it up into the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, the, the more popular section. I don't know, right? Like yep. generating engagement is that what it's called or something like that? Yeah, and I still do it sometimes. Sometimes I think it's still a worthy fight, but mm-hmm. I think it's a lot less than I used to think it was, and I think it's true for a lot of us. All right, any last comments on that, or should we just get into the most fun part? And I want to. I want to hear people's gloves shit unless you have any. Well, before people start writing in, Dr. Cornelius Evazen, I had to look that one up, is the I don't like you either guy in the cantina who shows up in Rogue One. What's his friend's name? It's like Ponda Baba or something like that. Mm -hmm. Look it up. No. What kind of fan are you? Yeah. Yeah. They were definitely up shadows. So, they did show up again in Rogue One, but I think yeah. they qualify. I think, that, but I think they still are, right? Like, like the, yeah. the humidifier showing, or the ice cream <laughs> machine, right, showing up in other contexts is like the writers or like costume set designers or whatever saying like they're in on the glove shadow too. I don't think that yep. makes them more than that. So, Matthew, you talked about Wedge, and mm-hmm. I, I'm just like stuck on this idea because Wedge had a glorious. Uh, legends career in the novels mm, that's fair. right and so it's, should we include the books should we include comic books right like dr afara <clears throat> is a super popular comic book character right and so like i don't think she could ever be a glove shido yeah. grand admiral thrawn right like got his start in the novels and then now mm-hmm. is uh, has been in rebels and is going to be in on, on ahsoka so I, th- I think you have to include all this media even though naturally fewer people are going to know about them from not movies. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I definitely agree. I also think it's important to talk about like, so like, for example, if, you know, Dr. Afra does appear for two minutes in an upcoming episode of something, for people who've never seen, who've never seen any of her books, does, can she be there, Glebshido? Like, I, I guess to me, maybe Glup Shidoness is in the eye of the beholder a little bit. <laughs> and like, and, and I guess that would be, to me, the Glup Shido attitude should be if someone says, oh my God, this Dr. Astra character is my new Glup Shido. I love them. I would hope the response is, that's awesome. You should know, actually, there's tons of material about them. Come check it out. Oh, yeah. And not, oh, you're not a real fan if you think they're a Glup Shido because here's all the stuff they have. Like, does that make sense? No. Like, yeah, yeah. I think, but I think there's also like a way to engage with me, like, oh, guess what, fam? They're not a glup shit out. Merry Christmas. Here's all your your fun content. Mm -hmm. Like, say, so like, 
in that way, like, oh, don't worry, they're not a glove shit I know you just said they, that they're your right. favorite, but they don't have to stay in that realm. Here's all the content that stars them. Hooray for you. Yeah, and now I, there's I, so much stuff that you yeah, can do that. I, I guess I feel like, like, if I was a new fan coming into it, like you said, like, I wanted that moment, and I'd be like, oh, I just saw this. Okay, this is one I can have, you know? Sure. And I would hate to take that away from someone by saying, no, it's not a glove shit but you're, I, I guess I'm sort of like, <laughs> a glup shoot was, like I said it's in the eye of the beholder but sure. I think I think you're probably right that's also as long as it's done with positivity that's just a, just a, just as good a way to do it yeah and I think yeah like if you want it to be a glup shadow if you think Boba Fett is a glup shadow good good for you mm-hmm. and I mean that non-sarcastically <laughs> like yeah. I don't think this needs a hard and fast definition in it like in any way yeah yep. and, and that's yeah because I I loved uh, Cobb Vance in yeah. The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Part of it is mm-hmm. that like, I really like uh, Timothy Oliphant, mm-hmm. but I know, Matthew, you've mentioned that Cobb Vanth is in the Aftermath novels. Yes. And I didn't like the first one, but it's like, oh, but if I want more Cobb Vanth, maybe I do need <laughs> to finish that series. And so yeah. that that's the kind of thing, yeah, like, it's, I think it's, it's exciting to engage with fandom and to find out that there is more out there. And that's yeah. what the conversation should be about. Let's engage yeah. with fandom. Let's engage with other people's glove shadows. Exactly. Yeah, let's go. All right. So some of the ones that I saw online, uh, first of all, Greedo was mentioned by a number of people, Greedo's which great. I loved. Love Greedo. Um, yeah. I I very much as you're talking about, for whatever reason, like my grandmother who knew nothing about Star Wars, like probably just walked in and found the first one off the shelf. I had a Greedo toy when I was like six years old. So I just that's loved awesome. the character. Um, uh, yeah. No, Greedo's, Greedo's great, right? That awesome interaction with Han Solo. It spawns mm-hmm. the whole, like, who shot first, Han versus Greedo yep. situation. Also, like, Greedo's color scheme is, like, really bold and, like, iconic. He's got, like, a really cool look. He doesn't speak English. You gotta read some subtitles in Star Wars. Yeah. I mm-hmm. Love love Greedo. Excellent yep. love Shido. Uh, another one of my favorites was Gascano, who I had oh. to look up. Gascano is the he's one of the pod racers in Phantom Menace. Oh. He's one of the ones who has like all these weird limbs coming out and he's the only one other than Anakin to finish the race. Nice. Uh, towards the end of the race, he's in the kind of three-way thing with Sindula and Anakin and he's kind of just hanging back while him and Anakin are fighting and then when Saboba gets knocked out, uh uh, this other guy was one of the other ones to finish. Uh, that was not one I had ever ever put together what the guy's name was. His name is said by the announcer. I think it's the last one said by the announcer uh, uh, before Joba Hett starts the race. Um, is, sorry, sorry. I haven't seen Phantom Menace in, like, since I was a child. Is, is Hera in Phantom Menace? No, no, no. Are they, um, they meant Sabol. Yeah, oh, I meant Sabol. Oh, I, said oh, I got so excited. Incorrectly. Okay. <laughs> no, no, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was a really cool one, I thought, um, which was nice also because I, I admit I don't have generally very positive feelings about the pod race. So I'm glad that like that can inspire some cool things. Um, certainly, I think another one, and I didn't really realize this until Riki, we talked about it during the Mandalorian episodes, but um, who's the woman who like is like a crack shot in the pod races? Or a sing, yeah. yeah. And then she wound up become a character in some other stuff. So that was awesome. Yeah, Aura Singh. Uh, yeah, she just like, is, stood there and is, looked cool. Right? Yes, yeah, standing on top of like a hill during the pod race scene, like in 
kind of in the background. Maybe they zoom in a little bit on her, but not like super mm-hmm. much. But then she goes on to be like a recurring character in the Clone Wars cartoon and yep. then gets name dropped in Solo. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but the they're, they're, Lando is talking with, um, what's his face? Oh, yeah, I do. With Giles. <laughs> um, not Giles, but that's the same actor, Anthony Stewart. Yeah. But they're like, um, oh, you're you're the one that killed Aura Singh. Thanks for doing that. Like, I owed her money or something <laughs> like that. Uh, another one that, uh, Riki, I'm hoping you can tell us about, because I believe they're from Legends and quite favorite, Dash Rendar. Oh, well, Dash, yeah, Dash Rendar. <laughs> Let me push up my glasses. He made a face. He made a face that he was so worried, Matthew, and you said, like, oh, maybe you'll know. And then as soon as like, you said it, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm on this. Oh, I'm so excited. Dash I'm on Rendar. The case. I, okay, I hope, I, I hope I'm right, but Dash Rendar is from Shadows of the Empire, which was a, I believe, a novel crossover with a video game. Okay. And he... This takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and he is the Han Solo stand-in during this period, because he has a ship that is, like, also a Corellian, modified Corellian freighter, like, YT, oh, I think it's 2400. Ooh. <laughs> Random nice. brain Good stuff. Model. Good model. And, oh. yeah, you get to fly this ship in the video game. It's a fun video game. Probably a little dated. I think it was N64. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know nothing but about him, but he's, a number of people mentioned him. At cool. the end of that story, I believe he doesn't join the Rebellion. So it's it's also kind of like a what if of like, what if yeah. Han Solo didn't join the Rebellion? Like he he's along for a little bit of the ride, but at the end he's like, yeah, I don't want in on this. I like that. I like that. Um, couple others that were mentioned. Um, where would I have it? Uh, one other that again I had no knowledge of. Uh, but George Cardass. I believe he's in the newer set of books. George, um, what? So it's George Kardashian. <laughs> J- it's spelled J O R J. Okay. Space. So that's the first name. Last name C A R hyphen D A S. Okay. Kardashian. That sounds so familiar. I hope it's pronounced like George or something like that, because it could just be one of those, like his actual name is George. They just spell it weird. I, um, yeah. <laughs> but according to Wikipedia, oh, I'm sorry, no, StarWarsFandom.com, he was a human male from Corellia who lived during the time of the Galactic Republic, the Empire, and the New Republic. Early in his life, he joined the crew of the smuggling ship Bargain Hunter, working mainly as a bootlegger for the Huts. Um... Oh, and he's actually, he's mentioned in the uh, Thrawn books. So that's where he becomes important. He's, I believe, one of the people on a ship that kind of wanders into Chiss space. Neat. So, yeah. The Bargain Hunter uh, is a great name for, like, a, a, a bounty <laughs> ring. Yep. That's great, yeah. One other one I wanted to mention that I thought was really interesting, especially because it kind of, uh, it, it, it highlights a theme that I think we haven't talked much about with the Glup Shadows, but I think is important, is representation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times a character becomes a glup shido because, like, either they actually are, you know, early on, like, oh, hey, look, there's a woman who's, you know, <laughs> fighting in this group. Or, hey, there's, like, someone Latino who's in this group, you know, whatever. Uh, but then also, like, characters who are, you know, that they're clearly metaphors for things. And they often become very popular, especially in those communities. Um, and the High Republic has really generated a ton of this, in part because the queer representation has been so good on so many levels. And in the 
there's phase one and phase two of the High Republic. In phase one, we meet kind of, um, they're kind of like the ghost crew crossed with Talon Card's crew from the original Thrawn books in that it's like a fun crew of misfits and ne'er-do-wells uh, trying to make good, but they're not they're not as actually part of the rebellion as the ghost crew is, but they wind up like being like transport for a lot of our heroes and so helping out a lot. Um, and the captain is a guy named Leox Leox Giasi. I think I'm pronouncing that right. L-E-O-X-G-Y-A-S-I. And, you know, dating, like he kind of is a mentor figure to one of the more main characters. And she's talking about kind of some romantic trouble she's having. And there's been kind of some speculation about like, you know, who is he into? And he kind of just talks about how he's never really been into anyone because he just doesn't feel that way. And the word asexual is never used, sure, but yeah. apparently the writer had like worked with like some of the asexual advocacy organizations to help craft this character. And he's just this beautiful representation of an asexual character in Star Wars because it's a huge galaxy. And so all of these things would exist out there. And so he was very much a glove shadow of mine and I think of a lot of other people's, but also I think just mentioning him is a good way of bringing up that like there have been, you know, there are, you know, just characters who love people of their same gender, they're pan characters, and then there are characters who, you know, come from races that have three genders or that have, you know, characters that like switch gender during the course of their lifetimes or who are, you know, Im like, um, you know, who are heavy immigrant type experiences or, you know, any of these kind of things. And I think that's just one more awesome part of Club Shido is when it can be like, hey, I'm latching on. It, it In some ways, it's kind of bad when it's like the only representation you can find is the Club Shido out there. But but still, it can be kind of awesome, too. Yeah, that's what I was about to dig into, mm -hmm. I guess. Just to be negative. Yeah, for no, yeah no, but it's, it's um, a thing. No, but like, I... Because there, there's a set of characters in um, Star Wars Rebellion, which is a beautifully animated, terrible... Uh, show <laughs> the animation is so gorgeous but it's such a bad show um but there's there's two characters um oh gosh i forget their names they're voiced by bobby moynihan and the guy who played the principal in community um mm -hmm. I know you're talking and, about. and they're they're a couple and they're like canonically a couple and they talk about like being married to each other and they're both male or like male presenting mm -hmm. they're both aliens right so we don't even get like a homosexual human couple um, but yeah, like having, having two named characters whose names I'm blanking on right now. Um, and like, but having them be the only like, real gay representation that we're kind of like officially getting in Star Wars is mm -hmm. in this like buried in this kind of bad animated show that they don't have to like. We have like, had tons and tons in, again, the novels and things like that. Yeah. But right. It's on screen. It has still been fairly bad. Yeah. Uh, although I will say, in in Andor, we got a lesbian couple, and there was like one kiss at the end of Rise of Skywalker, I think. But it's all in like easily one... cuttable sections, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the gay representation in Andor was much more upfront, but yes, in other things till then, it had been pretty small. But yeah, I do uh, think it's cool that there's like little I don't know, like pet mm -hmm. projects or like like characters that you can find and like. I think because there's so little known about them, you can put so much of yourself into them or like so much of what you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And also if we're talking about the trajectory of, for example, Boba Fett going from Glup Shido to 
beloved in fandom and now like a real main character in Star Wars. Maybe that points to the possibility in the future that fandom will carry the torch for some of these characters and then we will get their story or we will get a a, a better representation of the the story in the future. Like maybe that's a hope that we can have. I mean, I think Thrawn was that. You know, the fact that Thrawn mm-hmm. showed up in... Thrawn was probably a bit too big in Legends to be thought of as Lepshido today, but I think in some ways he was, because, again, he was from Legends, and most of the fandom didn't know much about that. And But and he when, was so beloved that they wound up bringing him back into the Disney canon. Yeah, and I think when, when Disney bought Star Wars and declared, you know, all those novels to be Legends and that they were going to create their new canon... A lot of people despaired that Thrawn was lost, and then yeah, to bring him back in this way it, it was special to a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. So, what about you all? Who are some of your club shadows? I mean, I already mentioned our five D four droids for life. I mean, my my number one, which I have zero hope that there will ever be any kind of story about vacuum, and and, <laughs> and that's. It points to like the ridiculousness of George Lucas even giving this character a name, but it is the A, you want to buy some Death Sticks character from <gasps> Attack of the Clone, Elon Sleaze Bogano. Just because, like, A, the name. I will go to my. Gr- the hill I will die on is that he is a victim of unethical mind control. Sure. Go on. Well, the, just the fact that. The fact that George bothered to give that character a name for like the 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 one like twenty second scene, and it's know. such a such an amazing name for this character. Yeah, like it feels like it wasn't too much of a bother to get to Sleaze Bagano, right? Like that mm-hmm. feels like something you're like, we'll change it later, and then it just like, never <laughs> never got changed. And and that's fair, and that's probably why we'll ne- we won't ever get the story. Although I I think. I think again, like somewhere, something has been written about like how this character Elon did go home and did stop selling death sticks and rethink his life. Oh, and then mm-hmm. couldn't afford to pay rent because he no longer had an income, and then his family starved. <laughs> Thanks, Obi Wan. Uh, yeah. Also, and, and selling- wait, who was the other? I think it was because it's not just a death stick guy, but there was another one, right? I mean, I have lots. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I made a joke about a vacuum because I thought that the you know when you eat some bread and there's some stuff that gets on the floor. What? I I don't know what this is referencing. I mean, I love oh, gonk droids. I thought Salacious Crumb was one of your favorites. Oh sure, if, Salacious Crumb is everyone's favorite. Yeah, though, right? I don't know. Okay, yes. Yeah, so here we go. Here's... I do. I do point every time there's one of those monkeys on the screen. A coaxian monk. Monkey something? What is it? Squirrel monkey? That's not what they're called. Coaxian mm-hmm. is a part of it, right? No, coaxian is an energy source. Gosh darn it. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll I'll say one of my favorites. I've already mentioned yes. uh, uh, the pilot. Um, I have a couple of others. I've mentioned a few different places now because I've asked this question of a few people. But the couple that there's a couple that I actually ship really hard. Uh, it's one of my favorite couples in Star Wars. And it is two characters who we only get a couple episodes with, but they do keep popping up in various places. And it is Zero the Hut and Psy Snoodles. Yes! Psy yes! Snoodles. Heck yes. Uh, Zero the Hut, you probably haven't seen unless you've seen The Clone Wars. But Psy Snoodles is the singer for the band in 
uh, Jabba the Hutt's palace, the one who, like, she has, like... The long legs. Yeah, she has long legs, and it's, like, like, big, like, a head, and then her lips are, like, on a stalk, like, a foot away from her body. And Zero the Hutt is, like, he's another Hutt who's kind of, like, you know, the younger cousin who gets initiated into the crime family but doesn't really know what he's doing. And they just took the story and ran with it. And in the Clone Wars, it's basically like a 1920s guys and dolls gangster love story where she's the long-suffering Maul who loves him and will stand by him but might betray him to make sure that she comes out on top. And he's trying to, like, save up enough to run away with her, but he gets into trouble and maybe he's abandoned her. And it's just this, like, wonderful love story of the two of them they're both kind of terrible people. They're trying to make their way in the world. And they both have terrible 1920s Chicago accents. And I just <laughs> absolutely love everything about the two of them. I think Zero's got more of like a Southern gentleman kind of accent, right? Yeah, he lives in, in a very, swamp. In this very like scared young boy kind of a way. Oh, sure, you know? sure. Yeah, he definitely is like the gloves full of Vaseline guy from Of Mice and Men. Um, and But yeah, I love. I also love Size Noodles. Okay, is Size Noodles in... She's only in the remaster, like, where every digital effect is added one, right? No, no, no. No, she's in the original? Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. But it's just a puppet. Okay. Because I, like, I have a weird digital rendering of her in my mind. Yes. Okay. There it is. Um, also, uh, Salacious Crime was a Kowakian monkey lizard, so it was very oh, close. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I love I love Size Noodles. I love her in Clone Wars. I think we talked about this in our Clone Wars episode. But I mm-hmm. loved it, like... I, this is okay. This is a weird sentence, but go with me. I love how sexy she is because she's not like she's a creepy looking alien. Mm-hmm. You've already mentioned lips on stock, right? Like she is. St- but you like, kiss those lips. Well, like she's just like the way that she holds herself is very like femme fatale the entire yeah. way. She's a club singer. She's got the slinky dress on. She's got legs for days. Um, but like the and the way that she interacts with other characters is in a very like I know I'm extremely attractive flirtatious kind of way and i just think that that's like it's really fun to see a character who is like in no way shape or form abiding by any of our ideas our cultural like norms of what is sexy right like she's going against all these cultural standards but is still like so obviously coded as sexy and like knows that she's sexy too i think that's so cool it's the combination of the confidence which is just you know, the, the idea that anybody can be sexy if they know they're sexy and walk into the room claiming that. But also that idea of, yeah, in a galaxy full of lots and lots of species, yeah, the very specific human ideals of what is sexy. You know, there are going to be people who are like, humans, they walk upright in two legs. That's hideous. hideous. Like, you know? Like, yeah, like, huts probably think humans look disgusting and weird, right? Yeah. Like, like why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, to someone else. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. All right, anything else on the Glup Shittos of the world before we get into some of the feedback that we've gotten? I got one more. And I don't even think this character is named. Like, actually has a name. But the original Red Five. Ooh, Red Five standing. In Rogue One. Right, because that was a moment in that movie when Red Five gets shot down. I actually Mm -hmm. cheered because that's Luke's call sign in A New Hope. So it's like, of course Red Five has to go down like so that Luke can take that call sign. But now I'm kind of like, who was that? Yeah, What's their story? And that's the beauty of Star Wars. I remember in Rogue One this happened. And I think that may have been... When did Rogue One come out? Because I wonder if this was also part of kind of what started it. Like 2017-ish? 2016. 
So, okay, a couple years before the whole... But, like, one of the things that Rogue One did is it brought back to life a lot of those pilots who were in the Red and Gold Squadrons, as well as mm-hmm. giving us a couple other squadrons. And some others who I saw on the Glup Shooter list and I looked at, not necessarily feedback I got, but, like, when I looked on, like, Reddit lists and people saying about it, were almost every one of those other pilots. Because almost all the pilots had a tagline, you know? some One of them says, you know, like, stay on target. Stay on target. Mm-hmm. Another is like, there's too many of them. I can't hold them. Like, they came all from of them. Behind. Yes. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. all ridiculous and almost all overacted, but they're so much fun and they're just so memorable. And almost everyone, ha- like, every one of them had someone had someone who loved them. And so- and people were talking about, like, oh, it's so great to see them in Rogue One. It's so great to see them in Rebels, you know, that kind of a thing. So, uh, we'll great. talk a little bit more about Glup Shittos in other fandoms in the Patreon section. But for now, I want to close out. Like I said, we've been trying to do more feedback. And there's some feedback I didn't want to do with Paul because it's specific to uh, our Hayashi friends. So I want to start with do a couple of those. We did get a couple more, by the way. Uh, Riki specifically thanking you for your, your opinions on the strike episode and all that. A lot more mm-hmm. uh, people supporting us and what we're doing. Uh, and then I guess kind of off to a start because she just got started uh, listening, I understand, but has now written in twice. Mandy T. Rebel. Mandy T. Rebel who said that she found us when looking for stuff at Andor, she writes, came for Andor, stayed for Rebels. I really love your coverage, especially Sarah. Aww. You always seem, Sarah, you always seem to know what I'm thinking about an episode, and I love your humor. Thank you, Sarah, and to all of you. Yay! Thanks, Mandy. That's great. I had, oh man, one of my students in ceramics was like, you're really funny, but I don't think you know you're funny. And I'm like, I, I'm trying to be, it's just really <laughs> awkward and weird. So I, I love that, that Mandy gets the uh, funny but not funny awkward humor. I appreciate it. Yay. Uh, and then Simon wrote in, I've got a Rebels question that I'd love to hear you three dig into. We've seen what a good job Kanan has done with Ezra, especially helping him work through his emotions and things, especially after, especially about his parents. What do you think would have happened if Kanan was Anakin's mentor? Love your show, Simon. Ooh. Right? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, like, a whole nature v. nurture debate. Because, like, I mean, Anakin is a moody kid. And we sort of, we've talked about, like, what would have happened if Qui-Gon was Anakin's mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Kanan kind of aligns more with that, like, Qui-Gon side of the Force. Um, so I'm guessing, like, oh, gosh, I don't know, right? Because, like, timeline shifting weird. Part of what, what makes Kanan so, like, uniquely set is that he didn't actually become a Jedi Knight. He only got a little bit of his Padawan training before Order 66 happened, right? So, like, if he was a Jedi back then, he would have gone through the whole training. Maybe he wouldn't have this, like, softness in right. his approach. But um, I, I think similar to, like, if Qui-Gon had stayed Anakin's uh, mentor, that I, I don't think we would have gotten the Darth Vadering that we did. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to mix timelines like that because... So much of what defines Kanan as a character was Order 66, mm-hmm. right. was lo- losing the Jedi Order, losing his master. <clears throat> but the one thing that I hit upon is that Kanan is a Jedi in a relationship with yep. Hera. Like, mm-hmm. he he loves, and he allows himself to love. So I, w- I would, like, focus in on that, and I could see, like, if somehow you can, like, merge the timelines and whatever, that 
in Attack of the Clones, where, where, where there's that awkward flirting between Anakin and Padme. Mm. And, like, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan is the stern master, right? And so Anakin has to kind of, like, sneak around Obi-Wan. If Kanan's the master there, he probably, like, gives him the little elbow nudge. Yeah. And, like, puts him in a situation where, like, hey, why, why don't you and, like, Padme, like, go, go chat? And I'll talk to Master Yoda over here. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm with you both. I Again, it's hard to mix the timelines and like, you know, but assuming that the same version of Kanan is in that Jedi Temple, I don't know if I can say that Anakin wouldn't have turned, but I think it would have made Palpatine's job much harder. And and to me, I think there's kind of two main things that we've kind of talked about, but I want to just go into more detail in. One is kind of what you were saying, Riki, but I take it in a little bit different direction, which is that I think... Kanan modeled what it means to be a Jedi, but also have attachments. That he was not as afraid of attachments as um, Yoda would always claim, or Obi-Wan would always claim. And I think that because of that, not only would he have encouraged Anakin and Padme, but that when Anakin started to have these fears about Padme, he would have had, Kanan would have been someone he could go and talk to. And to me, I think one of the things that uh, I I don't love uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, but one thing I think it does get right is this idea that Kane, that Anakin feels like Palpatine is the only one who will listen to him, the only one who he can turn to uh, with his feelings. And I think I, and I, I think kind of related to that also, and this is, I think, what Simon is getting at, there are so many scenes where Ezra is kind of lost in his feelings and Kanan goes and listens to him. And sometimes he has to, they argue some, but Kanan listens to him. And I compare that to where Obi-Wan just says like, you know, be mindful of your feelings. Don't get lost in your feelings. And he doesn't really, he doesn't really give Anakin a chance to open up. He just tells him to like push it back down. And, you know, I, I don't blame Obi-Wan. I think, you know, Anakin still made the choices he made and Palpatine's a groomer and all of that. <laughs> but I think I, it's not that I think that it's Obi-Wan's fault as much as I think someone could have done a better job than Obi-Wan. And I think Kanan, Kanan would have done the things that I think Obi-Wan didn't that I think could have at least made a real difference. Would it have actually stopped it? Maybe Palpatine would still figure out a way around it. Who knows? But yeah, I kind of I like that. I think Obi Wan did the best job that Obi Wan could, but he was not the best yeah. person for the job. Um, and especially like you mentioning, like all this talking about Anakin feeling like he could only go to Palpatine with his relationship, right? Because like he kind of talked a little bit to Obi Wan about it with the whole Satine thing, and Obi Wan was like, "Yeah, you know, I really, really wish I had a girlfriend, but I don't, so it sucks to suck." Um, And that's kind of his advice was like, shut it down, which isn't what Anakin wanted to hear, right? Like, he, he, yeah, he just needed to express his feelings and not just be told to like, be stoic and cram them down inside until they explode in a bit of Mm -hmm. child murdering rage. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally what you're saying. Obi-Wan never even really talked about his own feelings about like, part of Mm -hmm. that was Anakin wanted just to connect with Kenobi more and Kenobi wasn't willing to, and I think- you know, Kanan definitely shares his feelings with with Ezra when he's upset about things, and yeah. So now that I'm now that I'm thinking about this, so Obi Wan loses Satine, mm-hmm. and and just like that that is the closest he comes to falling to the dark side in that moment in the fight with Maul, and I wonder if like the Obi Wan in the Clone Wars is shown to be more aware. Like knows that Anakin and Padme are together, mm-hmm. right? And that's and also wonder, been confirmed in some of the novels since then. Yeah. And so I wonder if his own experiences kind of like traumatized him, and that's why 
he can't talk to Anakin about his yeah. relationship with Padme is that like it hurts so much and ultimately like he doesn't want Anakin to get hurt in the same mm-hmm. way but that leads to him not even being being able to talk about it yeah i i think that's really true and i think there's a lot of directions that could go it could be like that that's the hurt it could be that because he regrets not having been with her that he can't bring himself to stop him to stop yeah. Anakin um, it can be, there's so many, and this is a total tangent, but it was one of my disappointments about the Kenobi show was that her name was never mentioned. Because I thought that in those years when he's coming to terms with Anakin's fall would have been a great time for him to wrestle with that some more. But yeah, either way. Uh, great question, Simon. Thank you so much. Um, everybody yeah, else, please that keep- was, That was fun to think about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, please keep the listener feedback coming in. Of course, you can find all the ways to give us feedback by going to theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find our Twitter, Facebook, uh, all the ways to contact us. Uh, there are some big things uh, coming soon, so stay tuned. The um, It shouldn't affect your feed at all, but we are going to be moving to a new podcast network. Uh, I mentioned it a while ago, and there's been a lot of delays and stuff like that. It is finally happening. There's going to be no changes. There'll be some changes to the Patreon system. So for the moment, I'm not going to say, like, you can uh, sign up for Patreon, of course, but it's always welcome. But I actually suggest holding off for a moment because we're going to be switching to it's gonna be the same price and the same thing, but through a different uh, feature instead of Patreon itself. Uh, but I will still continue to give 25% of all the proceeds of that to the strike fund as we continue to support the strike. So, uh, Riki and Sarah, is there anything in particular you all want to plug or mention? No. <laughs> not not at this time. Uh, just my, my support Instagram. Support the strike. Always support the strike. Uh, my Instagram, Sarah Hayashi Arch. Um, I keep threatening to make a website to sell things, but as, as the holiday season looms ever closer, uh, mm. the, I'll, I'll start putting some stuff up for sale. So nice support artists, etc. Yeah, definitely. Um, and of course, yeah, no, please support them. Please support all the other great hosts we have. I always try to, um, one thing I think I did not get to mention in the last episode, uh, I, I, I one thing I, I, one thing I mentioned in the last episode, but I wanted to repeat, is that um, if you're interested in the lightsabers that uh, my friend Alan, who was on, sells, you can actually go to his website and use the promo code ETHICALPANDA, and you'll get a discount. Uh, if you want to buy a lightsaber, make great gifts. They're awesome for yourself. I have one. I love it. Uh, check out the great stuff Sarah's doing and Ricky's doing. Check out all the stuff that our guests are doing, because we just I, I feel so lucky to have such incredible guests. Uh, so if you are a Patreon or a member, please stick around. For everyone else, thank you so much. We have spoken. 